how do you earn enough money from adventure to make it a full-time job? I could have earned a living from adventure in many different ways. But whatever route I plumped for, three things would have remained constant. The amount of time it requires to build momentum, an obsessive streak, and a plan for surviving in the beginning. To get going, I saved £7,000 over five years through working a couple of part-time jobs. This money funded me cycling around the world with the help of some extreme parsimony. I never bought chocolate or treats, I never splashed out on fizzy drinks or a bottle of water, even in roasting temperatures. I made do with tepid tap water purified with iodine. Even when I was exhausted or afraid, I would always try to camp rather than pay for accommodation. If you can travel far or travel in style, always choose the long road. Later, before I quit my proper teaching job to focus on adventure, I was already giving talks in my spare time. The head teacher once even let me miss a morning school to give a talk, which is ludicrous when I think about it. I worked hard to build up my number of bookings. I sent so many emails chasing leads and succeeded with very few, developing a thick skin along the way. I dabbled with every social media fad to find my voice. I volunteered to speak at every adventure event I could find. I churned out blog posts. I wrote my second book while still teaching. I squeezed writing in around the margins of my days, scribbling for 10 minutes here and there in the staff room and pulling the occasional exhausting but exhilarating all-nighter. I needed to get to a point where I would still have enough money coming in to keep me afloat when I gave up my salary. Eventually, I handed in my notice, giving up my pension and my union rep. Yet, when I woke up on that first Monday morning to live as a self-employed, self-proclaimed working adventurer, I was not beginning from a standing start. I already had 46,000 miles of stories, words and photographs under my belt. I had self-published a book and taken a night school photography course. I was already in motion. Since then, I've earned money in many different ways. First, let me clarify that this is how I make money, not how you should earn money. I'm not a financial expert, nor am I very savvy about money. Consider this a curious snoop into my desk drawers rather than expert strategies to follow. The only advice I would offer is that if you want enough cash to go on adventures, find a well-paying job with plenty of time off to go and climb your mountains. If you want to earn money out of expeditions directly, make it your first priority to save up money from a normal job and tackle a massive adventure with zero regard for earning money out of it. And if you want to get paid to spend as much time as possible in wild places, become an outdoor instructor, a mountain guide, a research scientist, a soldier, or get a job that posts you overseas. Two markers tend to separate those who make long careers from adventure from those who fall by the wayside. Solving the dilemma of earning enough money and having the patience to plug away at it all for the long term. Here is how I currently earn money. Affiliate marketing. This means earning a commission from promoting products online. I nearly always forget to set it up when recommending books or equipment. Consequently, it only brings in about a pound a day. Books. 
Although only an optimist or a celebrity would sit down to write a book for money, books are a useful way to bring in a steady trickle throughout my life. I will also earn royalties on my books for 70 years after my death when the copyrights expire. After that, my masterpieces will become available for pennies in knockoff editions with thin paper and loads of typos. To date, I've published 14 books in a variety of formats. These include Audible. Nine of my books are available as audiobooks, a format growing in popularity. They are an easy way to reach a broad audience, being available to anyone globally and cheap to produce, although narrating them under a boiling hot duvet in your shed is quite boring and quite exhausting. Keep going, Hal. You can do it. <laughs> Kindle. Most of my books are available on Kindle. It's an option that essentially costs nothing to provide, but again, opens you up to a wider readership. Paper versions. Frustratingly, my books are seldom stocked in bookshops for reasons including ineffective marketing by publishers, choosing to publish some books independently, lack of fame, competition, and of course, not being good enough to be selected for their shelf space. Therefore, Amazon and my own online shop are key to my sales. I used to flog a lot of books out of my rucksack after talks and then sprint to catch the last train home. Because I get a 50% discount from the publisher, selling books on my website has the best profit margin. It also entails more hassle than simply receiving a royalty check twice a year, as I do for all the other books I sell. For many years, I handled all orders myself, keeping stashes of books under the bed, signing every copy and taking them to the post office. It was a helpful way of building rapport with my customers. I've since outsourced the process to a social enterprise, Enabled Works, owned and run by its disabled workforce. All my other book sales from websites and bookshops are taken care of by my publishers. Brand Ambassador Programmes I partner with brands over periods of a year or more to use their equipment, provide insights into its performance, attend events on their behalf and help promote the brand. In my early days, I was remunerated through free equipment before moving on to being paid in cash. Brand campaigns. Working with a company to help promote and market a product is usually fantastic, but occasionally there can be a wee bit of feeling, oh well, this makes me cringe a bit, but at least it's work. These jobs tend to be the most significant lump sum payments I receive in healthy four or five figure sums. Brand films. I began making films just for fun. I never imagined it would lead to filming online adverts for companies, but this has become a decent income stream and one of my favourite aspects of work. Sometimes I work alone on films. On other occasions, they are an opportunity to get out of my shed and collaborate with friends or new and interesting people. They are time-consuming but well-paid projects. Patreon and Kofi.com these are ways for readers to buy me a virtual coffee if they enjoy a blog post or newsletter or to subscribe for monthly donations, which people do via Patreon. Imagine it like a digital tip jar. 
audiences are growing more comfortable with tipping for quality free online content. I currently earn roughly £5 a day from Kofi and £2,500 a year from Patreon. Magazine articles. The first time I got paid to write an article after a year cycling through Africa, I was so proud and amazed that I could get cash for writing about adventure. I sought out opportunities to write articles as not only do you get paid, it's also a great way to reach a new audience and showcase your writing. Podcast sponsorship. I sell advertising space on my podcast either per series or per episode. Photography. When I started out, I stuck my finger in as many pies as possible. I uploaded some travel photos to a website selling greeting cards and such like. I can never be bothered to close the website down, so I only include it on this list because it still earns about £100 annually almost 15 years later. That won't keep me in caviar, but the total it has made over the years is a small example of the cumulative benefits of passive income. It was certainly worth the couple of hours of initial work to set it up. Talks Corporate I give keynote presentations to businesses about the expeditions I've been on and the lessons gleaned along the way. Corporate events make up most of my speaking work these days for the pragmatic, if not noble, reason that I don't have as much time as I used to and they pay ten times better than schools. My fees have crept up over the years, as you'd expect when your skills develop. I usually earn a few thousand pounds per event, nudging now and again into five figures, which sounds absurd for showing my holiday snaps and telling silly stories. It is, however, reassuring to know that I am providing something fair when companies book me for repeat events. Talks at events. Speaking at book festivals or adventure exhibitions can be fun, a chance to raise your profile and sell some books, but they generally pay terribly. Talks at schools. Visiting schools to talk about adventure, the kindness of the world, dreaming big and starting small has been the longest, steadiest income of my life. It reassures me that there are a virtually unlimited number of schools to present at with an ever-changing roster of pupils. If all my other ventures fail, this should remain a steady option for me, earning several hundred pounds or low four figures per event. There are some typical working adventurer money-earning activities that I don't do for various reasons. Guiding, leading trips, writing guidebooks, TV practical workshops, building hiking trails, online courses and paid newsletters. There are also some avenues that I've tried but stopped doing. These include blog advertising. Back in the glory days of blogging, I earned a few grand a year from running adverts on my website. No longer, alas. Busking. I once lived for a month off the 120 euros I earned playing my violin in Spain on a journey that led to me writing My Midsummer Morning. Corporate micro-adventures. People often contact me asking if I'll take them on a micro-adventure. Businesses are always on the lookout for interesting bonding projects for their staff. I also know the benefits of sitting around a campfire to sort out life's conundrums. So taking small groups out for the night seemed like a logical idea, and I still think it's a good one. 
but it felt weird charging people to sleep on a hill. It needed to be expensive to be worth bothering with, which clashed with my claims that adventure is for everyone. Plus, it was all a bit of a hassle to arrange. Therefore, after a few experiments with good food, beautiful landscapes and honest, challenging conversation, I shelved the idea. It was a pity as the events I'd done had been successful. Had I been so inclined, I'm sure this could have become a full-time occupation. However, it is fair to say that a few keyboard warriors got irate at my experiment in earning money from micro-adventures. It's worth pointing out that people often get miffed at the idea of making money from adventure, but they tend not to offer alternative suggestions for getting paid. Expedition advice. One of the constant wars of my life, and yours I suspect, is against the tyranny of email and the license it gives others to make demands on your time with little effort on their part and no intention to cause you problems. So many people emailed me for expedition planning advice beyond the articles and books I'd already written that I experimented with charging for Skype calls to help plan expeditions. In reality, when anyone was actually willing to pay to talk to me, I then felt so honoured and guilty that I then just called them for free. So I made zero money from this, but it did act as a good filter for finding individuals who were serious about their plans and respected my time enough to consider paying. I was happy to help them without charging. Magazine columns. I wrote a monthly column for Trail magazine for a year. I enjoyed it, but stopping doing it freed up a lot of mental bandwidth, time and enthusiasm to focus my writing efforts on books. It's increasingly hard to make a living from paid freelance writing, but I used to love the thrill of seeing my own words and photos in print magazines and newspapers. School worksheets. I did a little freelance work for a charity creating educational worksheets based on my bike trip around the world. Selling micro-adventure t-shirts. Let's just say that there are many headaches involved when you bulk order stock, have loads of colour options and sizes and have to deal with all the orders, shippings and problems yourself. <laughs> On the plus side, I now have enough t-shirts to last me for life. Sustrans talks. I used to charge Sustrans a charity day rate, then do as many talks for them as they could fit in. The record, visiting eight schools in a day. It was exhausting, but also fun and worthwhile. Weddings. I enjoyed photographing a few weddings, but this is indeed proof that I have an unerring and foolish tendency to spread myself too thin rather than concentrating on doing one thing well. Quick question. You can only save one, your ability to ride a bike or your shed with all its contents. I have never found any better way to have an adventure than by climbing onto a bicycle and pushing off. The stuff in my shed is only stuff. I carry that lightly and would swap it in an instant for the freedom and adventure of time on a bike.